Lord Jesus, today we thank you as we come to your word. We pray that you again would speak into our hearts. Lord, that in these moments that we would just be aware above any voice, your voice speaking to us. Holy Spirit, be that still small voice in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's give our musicians and singers a round of applause. We appreciate them. Fantastic. Wonderful. Well, we're going to, for the moments that we have together this morning, we're going to return to just what we were reading from Luke chapter 1, Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel as he visited her in Nazareth one day when she was at home. Um, Luke 1 verse 28 or 26, we'll start there through to verse 38, says this, now in the six months the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. And the angel answered her and said, said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month of, uh, for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Amen to that. Fantastic. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, now these are wonderful words, statement that came from her heart, from her life. And these words would characterize her for the rest of her life. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. An amazing encounter that this young girl, this young teenager had at her home in Nazareth. One day, an angel turned up, the angel Gabriel, and he began to outline to her the great favor that was upon her life. Had she 
known about that previously? Probably not. Did she ever think that her life was going to amount to anything? Probably not. She probably didn't think that she had a great future ahead of her. She probably didn't realize that God's favor was on her. But on this particular day, as we have read here in Luke chapter 1, suddenly the angel Gabriel Gabriel came into that moment of time where she was just doing normal, everyday tasks. And she and, and the angel began to announce this amazing message to her about God's favor on her life. And there were five just simple points that I lifted from that occasion. I want to just go through, uh, just, just recap them this morning with you. The first one was this. Mary accepted God's word above the message of the world in which she lived. Now, if we are going to walk in God's favor for our lives, if we are going to walk in faith, if we are going to accomplish everything that God has for our lives, and believe me, every single one of us is favored by God. God has a plan for every single person in this room. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. God has an incredible plan for you. You may never have heard that before. You may never have been able to accept that because of what's gone on in your life. But let me say it, no matter what has happened in your past, no matter what has gone on in your life, God has an incredible plan for your life. It's a great plan. It's a wonderful plan. It will blow your mind. It will... It will It will be exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. That's what God says. And God has given us many promises in the Bible to actually prove that and guarantee that. God has an incredible plan. Please understand. God has an incredible plan for your life. And to prove it, he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, he rose him from the dead as a guarantee to prove that he has got wonderful plans for your life. And if you ever doubt it, always go back to what Jesus did on the cross for you. If you ever get a moment where you doubt God's love, God's intention for your life, go back to the fact that he rose Jesus from the dead for you and for me. He's got wonderful thoughts for you, wonderful plans for you. But in order to access this, in order to activate this wonderful plan that God has for you, you have to, like Mary, you have to believe God's word above the messages of the world in which you live. The messages of the world in which we live can be very negative. Not all of them, but probably the majority of them. Limiting and negative and you're never going to amount to anything. That's what... You know, lots of people will tell you, you're never going to amount to anything. Well, you failed, and you just keep failing, and you, 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 you're never going to make it because, do you know what? You know, God, you know good. Do you know what? God will never speak to you like that. He'll never speak to you like that. People may speak to you like that. Your, your own voice within, which can be the cruelest voice, it will speak to you like that. But you know, Jesus has wonderful words 
to say to you and to me too. And he's just looking for that little moment where you'll take hold of it and believe it. You have to believe God's word above the messages of the world in which you live. Mary had to do that. Mary grew up in Nazareth. Now you may today not know much about the town in which she lived, but that town in which she lived, Nazareth, had a reputation of nothing good coming out of it. And isn't it wonderful? I find it fantastic that God goes to the place called Nazareth to find a young woman in whom to bring forth the Savior of the world. He goes to Nazareth, the dead-end place, the place that had a reputation of nothing good coming out of it, to choose a woman that would do something wonderful, something amazing. God hasn't changed. He has not changed. The Bible says that he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He really does. He doesn't go to the high and mighty. He doesn't go to the strong. He goes to the weak. He goes to the weak. And that's not to say that being strong is bad. That's not to say that being successful and and doing something with your life is, is wrong as long as you help others in the process of it. But God chooses the weak to confound the wise, the foolish things of this world. God chooses and God takes hold of. If you, if you are going to hook up with God, I tell you now, begin to start to filter through all of those messages in your world that's trying to bring you down, that's trying to keep you out of God's word and begin to to sift through them. And if if, if they're contrary to what Jesus has said concerning your life, then just chuck them away. Don't accept them. If you are going to access God's favor, if you are going to walk in God's blessing for your life, you, you have to believe his word above the world, above the messages of the world, above the messages of, of, of this world around you. You have to believe his word. Mary did that. The town in which she lived was full of negative messages, but the angel came and he said, you're highly favored. You may not be living in a highly favored place. You may be living in a place where nothing good has come out of it, but you're, you're, you're favored by God. Recognize that. And she did. She took hold of that. Secondly, the next simple point that I just pulled out of all of this was this. In all of the change and the chaos of life, Mary never complained or questioned God. When she accepted this word from the angel, she said, be it done then. Be it done unto me according to your word, Gabriel. Simple faith. Not complicated. This woman hadn't gone to a Bible school or or to a university. or She didn't really have much education. She didn't have anything really to put on the table to say, Hey, I'm I'm, I'm the number one candidate for the Savior to be born through. She didn't have much qualification naturally. But she had an open heart. She had a willingness of faith to take God at his word and believe what he was saying 
and receive it. She said, be it done unto me according to your word. According to your word. Let it be done. Let it be done to me. I am now the, 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 the bond servant, the slave of the Lord. I'll use my life, God, for whatever you want to use it for. And then everything began to change. Everything began to change. All kinds of things began to get complicated. You see, sometimes when you say yes to God, things don't get easier, do they? They get harder. You know, lots of times when, when we receive that word from God about being favored and about being blessed and about being accepted, we just think as if, we, we, we think that everything's going to go well. But very often when we embrace God's words, words for our lives, everything goes in reverse. But this is what I found out about God in God's eyes, reverse is going forward. In our eyes, reverse is going backwards. But in God's eyes, reverse is going forwards. When things get hard, when things get difficult, as they surely will, they will. If, if you are walking with the Lord, if you are trusting Him, if you are accepting His Word, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying, listen, I've got this plan for you. And you say, yes, I believe it. I guarantee it. Things are going to get difficult. Things are going to get hard. Things are going to get chaotic. And yet what this young woman shows us is that whilst everything went crazy in her world, she never complained. She never questioned God. She never said, well, I just give up. Things are getting harder as a result of following you, God. I said, let it be done according to your word. I said that I would be your servant, but I thought things were going to be easy as a result of that. But she didn't complain. She didn't question. She didn't ask God to, to explain anything. She just took it. She accepted it. And I think that's a wonderful trait, a wonderful characteristic to have in your life. If you're going to follow God, if you're going to trust Him, if you're going to have faith in His Word for your life, don't expect everything to be easy. Don't expect everything to go well, but don't give up. Don't give up. Don't throw the towel in. Keep going. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Be persevering in your faith. Thirdly, Another thing that we considered last Sunday was Mary's faith embraced a bigger picture that she had not been told about. Her faith embraced a far bigger picture that she had not been told about. When the angel Gabriel came to her in Nazareth and said, highly favored one, she'd not been told about in that moment that Joseph, her betrothed, husband-to-be would actually begin to make plans to put her, put her away and, and to break off the engagement. She'd not been told about the fact that it would, this acceptance of, of God's plan for her life, she had not been told would Joseph would have major problems with. But her faith embraced the bigger picture. Her faith, in spite of even Joseph, her 
betrothed husband to be, in spite of all of, of, in spite of Joseph saying to her, listen, I've just got to break it off here. In spite of that, she didn't try to convince Joseph to, you know, come on board with the plan. She didn't try to talk Joseph out of it. No, she had said, God, I am your servant. And come what may, she was not going to back down on her decision. She was not going to, you know, she was not going to reject God's plan to keep Joseph on board. No, she had made a decision of faith and her decision of faith was going to stand the test of time. It really was. We referred to that Old Testament scripture where God says, the just shall live by faith. The just live by faith. But then he adds this right at the end, but my soul is not well pleased with those who shrink back. Mary had much opportunity in everything ahead of her life to shrink back. To shrink back when Joseph began to back off because he didn't know what was going on. This virgin that he was betrothed to suddenly had, you know, a baby inside her. I mean, that messes your head up. It really does. And that's the reality of what was happening in the whole picture of all of this. And yet, Mary was a just person. She was living by faith and she was not going to back up. She was not going to shrink back. God's heart would not have been pleased with Mary if she'd have shrank back. When you nail your colors to the mast, when you stand in faith for a word from God, all hell is going to break loose, but the just shall live by faith. When everything starts to go wrong, when everything starts to get difficult, are you going to shrink back? I pray that my faith and your faith will not shrink back. I pray, like Mary, we would be strong and persevering in our trust and in our faith. This is the message of Christmas. You know, the message of Christmas in our world is, you know, nice colored lights and, you know, brightly wrapped presents and lots of happiness. The message of Christmas in the Bible is a very different message. It really is. Mary's faith embraced a bigger picture than what she'd been told about. She'd been told that she was favored. But you, you don't feel very favored when you're, you know, when you're engaged, when you're engaged to your husband-to-be and he's beginning to break things off and, and put, put her away so that she won't face the shame of what is happening inside but her faith in the midst of all of that confusion embraced a bigger picture because she knew she had heard from God. She had heard from God and she was not going to back, back down. She was not going to back down. And not only that, think about the bigger picture that they both had to face because the angel went to Joseph and spoke to him and told her that what was told him what was happening was right and of God and then suddenly he's on board you see God will work things out for you you haven't got to work things out you haven't got to get involved and try and keep everybody happy no if he spoke to you stand stand strong on the promise that he's given you and what you know the trouble that comes let him sort that out because he spoke to you, you see. 
he's on board. And then suddenly, all hell is breaking loose for the both of them. Because he's part of the plan now as well. Fourthly, Mary's faith teaches us that our faith will be tested. Faith really does begin where logic ends. You can't work out. You can't work a person of faith out. They'll be making all kinds of decisions that you will think weird, that you will think are just completely illogical and irrational. Look through every person in the Bible. Look at every man and woman down throughout time that has stood for God, that has heard his word and walked in faith and they're the most criticized, the most hounded, but they're the ones that stand as victors in the end. They really are. Because you see, God is with them and God is maneuvering them and working things out for them. Faith will be tested. Her faith, their faith, was massively tested, massively tested. Within, when, when Mary became heavily pregnant, they were still in Nazareth. And then suddenly, Herod was taking a census and they all had to go to Bethlehem. So they had to make a journey to Bethlehem in order to be registered So now Mary and Joseph are going on a journey that they hadn't planned to go on. You know, as as a woman, you would you 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 want to be able to have your baby in the comforts, at least, of your own home. That's you know where it was at back then. I mean, we've had four children, and one of them was born in at home. The rest of them were born in hospital. But I tell you now, you are so thankful of those services around you to help get those little lives into the world. You know, Faye was monitored and all kinds of checks were taking, taking place. Mary didn't have that option. Suddenly, they're, they're moving from Nazareth. They've got, to, they've got to go to Bethlehem. But God's in it all. She's heavily pregnant. She's not Riding on a donkey. The Bible doesn't say she was riding on a donkey. So potentially they were walking on that journey. They get registered and then suddenly she is about to give birth. Frantically, they're knocking on an inn. There's no room there. And then, you know, by chance, she's giving birth to the Son of God now. The Son of God in a dirty, stinking cattle shed. But there's no complaint. There, there's, there's no criticism from, these, from this, this wonderful couple. What a wonderful temperament. What a wonderful strength inside. You know, God, what do you think's going on here? You've said we're highly favored. You've said that, that you're with us. You said that we're going to bring the Savior of the, the world into the world. And now we're, we're in this situation. Look at the circumstances around us. In a dirty cattle shed. No room in the inn. No place to bring your son into the world. And yet, their faith embraced it all. 
They stood strong. They didn't complain. They didn't question God. They didn't ask him to explain. But they were open and they were receptive to God's bigger plan for their lives. Their faith was tested. And then finally, Mary's example teaches us that the decisions of others did not change her commitment to God. You know, sometimes we can make promises to God. I've done it. We make promises to God and they, they, they seem so wonderful at the time that we're making them. And then, given the test of time, they begin to change and they begin to diminish. People make decisions in response to the decisions that we make. And as a result of that, sometimes we dilute the decisions that we make and we change them. But Mary and Joseph did not change their decision of faith even whilst others which were making decisions in opposition to the decisions that they had made. Jesus is born in a stable, in a, in a cattle shed, laid in an animal's feeding trough. The king of all kings, he's born. Angels light the sky. They announce it to shepherds, simple shepherds. And they come, they're guided there, and they come to worship. We see that in Matthew chapter 1. They come to worship this newborn king. But he's being born in a place that isn't stately or royal. He's being born in a place that, that is so far removed from what this world would see as significant, what this world would see as important. And it's hidden. It's hidden from public view. These shepherds come. And you know what amazes me? Right at that moment when the shepherds come, Jesus is drawing to himself the lowest level of life. The shepherds were people that were despised, men and women who took up that vocation, were despised people. They weren't important people. They were people that were outcasts. They were people that really people didn't have any time for. To be a shepherd of that time was to have a shameful job. And yet, the angels go to the rejected. The angels go and announce this wonderful news that a Savior has been born, not to the important, not to the high and mighty in the cities, but he goes out into the place where people have been rejected. He goes to the outcasts, the shepherds, and he draws them. He draws the lowest people to the Christ. And they worship him. And they magnify him. But you know wonder, what, what's wonderful as well about the birth of Jesus is this. It's not that he, not that he just drew the, the lowest level of life. He also drew the highest level of life. 
When the wise men traveled thousands of miles to get an audience, one moment's audience with the King of Kings. And I love this verse in the Bible. These, these men who were successful men, wise men, very rich men, because they brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when they later visited Jesus in a house, it says they bowed down and worshipped him. Isn't that great? In all of their wisdom, in all of their success, in, with all of their riches, the Bible says that they just bowed down and worshipped him. It's fantastic. You see, Jesus draws all levels of life. Jesus draws the lowest of the low, and he draws the highest of the high. And even when he walked through this earth and he ministered to people in the towns and in the cities as he went into their homes, you see it time and again. He drew the lowest of, of life, and he, but he also drew the highest of life because he was relevant. He was relevant to every person in the world. But Mary shows us and Joseph show us Wonderful strength of faith. Wonderful strength of faith. When the angel came to her in Nazareth and announced the wonderful, wonderful plan that God had for her, the fact that she was favored, the fact that, that all of Bible prophecy was hinged on her acceptance of faith. The whole of Bible prophecy was hinged on that response of I am your slave. Be it done unto me according to your word. When she said that, she opened the door for God to do a work through her and bring, her, bring his son into our world. He re she really did. And you know, she did not know then. She did not know then that as a result of Jesus being born, that they would have to run. The angel came one night to Joseph and he said, flee, run to Egypt. Hold on, God. I thought we were highly favored. Hold on, God. I thought that we were bringing your son into this world. Yeah, that's right, you are. But there's a bigger picture here that your faith has to embrace. You see, lots of times when we accept God's word for our lives, things don't get easier. Things get harder. But that's okay because God has given you the faith to embrace it, to embrace it. You know, I was, as I was thinking, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll close with this, in a moment, as I was thinking about all of these things around Christmas, the message to us is this, that he works all things together for good to those that love him, to those that are called according to his purpose. And there may be lots of things trying to impose, trying to oppose you going forward. 
There may be lots of things trying to oppose you, taking hold of God's word. And today you may think, oh man, I want to. I know it's right. I know it's right to serve Jesus. I know it's right to serve God. But it's hard. It is hard. There's so many obstacles. There's so many issues that have arisen as a result of that. Just that simple decision. I made a simple decision and said, yes, Lord, I'll I'll serve you. And as a result of it, it seems as if there's a huge hurricane across your life. But the Lord wants to encourage you today. He understands. He understands better than anybody. And he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you. When you cry to me, I'll answer. That's what David said. I cried to the Lord. You see, sometimes you need to get to the point where you're just completely weak, completely, uh, you know, at a point where you're about to give up. You need that. You need to get to that place. It's an important place. I've been there lots of times. That's why I haven't got any air on my head. Yeah. You get to that place. It's an important place where you say, God, help me. I need you. I can't do this anymore. David said, I cried to the Lord. And that word means, when it, in, the, in the original language, when it says, I cried to the Lord, it was like a wounded animal shrieking, shrieking as, as it's losing life, as it's losing control, as it's lost strength. I cried to the Lord. And David said this, and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. You see, when we get to the place where we can't go on, that's where Jesus steps right into the picture and says, if you can't go on, you're giving me now an opportunity to pick you up and lift you up and take you on and to make you everything that I've called you to be. How many times in Joseph and Mary's life was there confusion? What? Now we've got to run to Egypt. Now we've got to flee to Egypt. And they were there, some believe, for two years. And as they're running to Egypt, listen, babies are being killed from the age of two years and down. They are running to Egypt amidst massacre. You talk about the, 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 the life of faith being easy. It's not easy, but I tell you now, Jesus lives in us and he will help us. To be everything that God has called us to be. Amen. Amen. Finally, I'll have the musicians up. Let's bring them on up. Over this maybe holiday time, just go into your room or a quiet where you, where you can get a quiet place. It's not easy in a family. I said on Christmas morning, you know, if a mum and dad want a quiet place, 
with all the kids and all the busyness, they may have to jump up into the attic. You may have to go to your attic or out your garden shed to do this, right? <coughs> but just go and simply say, listen, I tell you now, God's not, he don't even care about long-winded prayers. He doesn't even care. Some of the greatest prayers in the Bible are just a couple of words long. Help. That's a good, that's a good prayer. It's the best prayer you can pray. Help me. I don't know what's going on. Oh, he loves that. That's top of the chart, that one. It is. It gets his attention all the time. Or when you cry in, right? This is a, this is a chart topper. I've done this one and it works. Take a note out of my book. If you want to get God's attention, just start crying. <laughs> and I'm telling you, crying from the bottom of your heart. Help me. Help me. I've done it. I did it once in the kitchen, right? A couple of years ago. There was nobody in the house. I started crying. Oh, help me. And suddenly, suddenly, the Holy Spirit came into that moment and just, just completely changed me. Be encouraged, right? Be encouraged. Whether it's a cry for help, whether it's tears in the kitchen, whether, whether it's confusion, my world's changed, I don't know what's going on. Be encouraged. God is in control. And his eyes, are, his eyes are watching you and he's with you. Okay? Okay? Lord Jesus, we thank you today. I thank you for every person here today. They're so special. They're so loved. Lord, for you to die on a cross to shed your blood for us. It's a message of incredible love, unconditional love. And Lord, we just want to thank you again today that you care for us. No matter what's happening in our world or around us, Lord, we thank you that we have decided to serve you with our lives. And we say again today, as Mary said, be it done unto me, be it done unto us, according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you've never prayed a prayer, asking him into your heart. I want to give you an opportunity right now. I'm going to pray with you. Pray this prayer. Pray this prayer. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, right? Pray this prayer and mean it and believe it. And things will happen in your heart. For one, you'll have peace that you've never had before. There'll be a removal of all the fear and the pressure. Why? Because Jesus, you're inviting Jesus, the Prince of Peace, into your heart. Pray this prayer with me. Say, quietly say, Jesus, I ask you, today. Please forgive me of my sin. I accept your salvation. Live in my life for now and forevermore. Amen.